Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm Hayley Cartwright and I'm here with Miranda McCaffrey. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've got so many guests on with us tonight and we can't wait for you to hear it. So our first guest is Paulus talking about their very own show coming to the village very soon. Uh, so why Victoria Wood? Well, when I was 10, my mum introduced me to Victoria's TV show, Victoria Wood, as seen on TV. Now, I'm not sure that either of you are old enough to know what that is. You probably only know her from Dinner Ladies. Oh, I absolutely loved it. I'm definitely yeah? old enough. And Victoria Wood is one of my idols. You looked at her. She was a woman. She was doing a thing. And as a small girl, you could look up at her and think, yes, I want to do that. Yes, it's possible. So, yeah. You're absolutely right. And uh, I think the other thing about her on her uh, on stage stand up persona that she showed on as seen on TV is that, you know, she was almost in drag. She wore trousers. She didn't wear ever wear heels. She wore trainers. She wore men's jackets, men's ties. Do you know she came second to Trevor McDonald in 1982 in Thai Man of the Year? Did she actually? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was always that kind of person because I know obviously I, I may look younger, but I did grow up in Northern Ireland. It was a different place. Uh, where <laughs> I actually grew up watching those old sort of shows. My mum was very much into them. So I grew up watching her on TV. Mm. And she yeah. always was that kind of person who fought against the, the gender personality to what clothes were assigned. She's like, no, I'll wear what I want. And mm. I'd, I'd say I'm guessing that definitely comes into this type of show then. Well, as you can see, I, I, I sometimes decide to wear what I want as well, in Absolutely. spite of the fact <laughs> that it's a Wednesday and I'm a man. Um, and <laughs> when I think what's really lovely about a scene on TV is that when I was 10, my sister was 18 and my mum was 45, which is the age I am now. And we could sit down and we could all watch that programme together and enjoy it. And I don't, you know, talking to people who are parents now and I ask them, is there something that you can watch with your 18 year old and your 10 year old and you all actually like yeah. it? And they're like, <laughs> it's just Peppa Pig from start to finish for most parents, I think, isn't it? And so sure she had some wild adventures as well. <laughs> so tell us, you're actually performing at Brewers, aren't you, in the village? So tell us I about am. the show. Well, the show is a two-hander. It's myself and a piano player. His name is Michael Rulston, and he, as well as working with me and uh, among many other people, he's the um, newest member of the cabaret super troupe, Fascinating Aida. He's uh, oh, yeah. joined in. He's joined them as their accompanist on stage, but he's very much more than just their accompanist. And so Michael and I have been friends for 25 years, and we bonded, and this is the story of the show. It's completely true. We bonded through the work of Victoria Wood, and our contention is almost that it was like a modern polari for us gay boys growing up in the 80s and the 90s and you could you could work out whether somebody sort of you know at least wouldn't beat you up um, at, at most maybe w understood your sense of humor when you you know offer a victoria wood quote at a party when you're chatting to people and that's exactly yeah, that's how people had handkerchief others had <laughs> victoria wood quotes oh you no know, yeah. i think I think if, you, if you're in, in a group with with lots of other people that you don't know and you say to them, aren't prawns an aphrodisiac, if they don't know the answer <laughs> is, I wouldn't put it past them, then you're not going to be friends with me. It's as simple as that. So definitely, definitely. So what kind of songs can we expect to hear within this show? 
Well, I, in spite of my better judgment, because people insisted it be part of the show, I do, of course, have to finish with the ballad of Barry and Frieda, which is uh, let's let's do it, <laughs> which is which is thirteen verses. And it, even though I've been singing uh, a lot of the songs that I do in the show, I've been singing since I was about ten. I've never attempted to learn or perform. Let's do it, and uh, <laughs> let me tell you, it's not terribly easy to do. <laughs> I, Does the whole yeah. trolley? appear in that song uh it, it i there isn't any props that appear but yes i, I sing that line if that's what you mean i'm not i've not no, bent I'm over not. anything at any point during the show <laughs> <laughs> so social distancing says no or is it just a walking kind of event uh, well, I would assume that I'll be sold out within minutes of this airing, darling. Oh, so I would say, <laughs> I would say that uh, it's probably best to book. There are actually two shows in one night because we created the show for the Edinburgh Festival, and so it's only an hour long. Um, so we're doing a seven pm and a nine thirty pm, and they're both available on Out Savvy. So just type in "looking for me, friend" or type in Paulus and probably it will also come up for uh, the 9th of July uh, via Out Savvy. Oh, fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. We're glad we could finally grab you for I it. I know. I'm so sorry. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been on the run uh, for crimes against uh, makeup, <laughs> but I'm back. <laughs> Next up, we have our very lovely Caroline Whitehead, who's going to be talking to Professor Irene Mabel, MBE, about knife crime and and around Manchester. Professor Erin Mabel, MBE, and uh, she's a DL as well. She's a peace activist and she's recognised for her work in relation to gun crime. We'll talk about that in a, in a minute. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you're you very You're much. looking fabulous, looking fabulous. Thank you. You were in London, I believe, before you... you you're a Mancunian. I am a Mancunian, born and bred. Nice yes. one, nice yes, one. I good. Um, but you're in London. Yes, moved down to London, you know, for, as they say, you know, better prospects, better job prospects. I actually got promotion in the job that I was in up here in Manchester. I was promoted to a position in London for the same organisation. So that's what moved me down my... Um, partner who is now my husband he'd already moved down as well for a better job mm -hmm. and so yeah we both moved down to London was living and working in London uh, for about oh nine ten years I want to take you back because I want to I go straight in and take you back to that time when you came to Manchester to visit with some friends mm -hmm. and something happened yeah. talk to us about that long story short and one evening we were going out around Christmas time to a Christmas do. Mm -hmm. There were six of us in our car and we had the people carrier then because of all the children. And um, as we were approaching the house, we'd come out of the car, as we were approaching the house, I was in front of my friend uh, called Charlie and unfortunately what happened was there was three guys at the doorway. One of them kind of like tugged him on his jacket. You know how someone tells you to get your attention? Yeah, yeah. And as he turned took his hood down as he turned around to see who wanted his attention. These three guys stood at the doorway, just brought out weapons and just opened fire on him. Oh, just like that. God. Yeah. I remember seeing him fall to the ground. Didn't know what was going on because, you know, gun crime wasn't part of our lives. You know, it wasn't actually physically part of our lives like that. You mm. know, you hear about it, you read it in the paper, you listen to it on the news. Mm. And there was a part of me that felt, you know what, gun crime, gang crime, that happens to them. You know, yeah. it happens to people like them, you know. Um, I never expected that one night it, I'd be part of the them, you know, mm -hmm. me and my husband were. And uh, he was shot 12 times. 
12 um, times. Yeah, which we didn't know till afterwards. Um, it was just an awful, awful night. Um, mm. He did survive because um, I made the 999 call. I had to, you know, at the time, I remember my husband picked me up and ran across the road. It's when I said to him that, you know, it's Charlie. He said, no, they can't be shooting Charlie. Because as far as we know, you know, no one's going to shoot any of us. We yeah, haven't yeah. done anything. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it is. It's Charlie. You know, so I ran back, you know, fool. <laughs> but I ran back. Instinct, and, though. Yeah, it was. You know, it's that. I mean, now when I look back, it's that, you know, fight or flight. Yes. And I think I fight. I stood there, you know, yeah. argued, shouted. Rang 999, and um, so many things happened that night. Uh, took 45 minutes for emergency services to arrive, even though we were five minutes down the road from the hospital, MRI. Um, they told us they had to do a risk assessment first before they come into the area. Uh, you know, so it was like, so who does our risk assessment? You know, what about us? Mm. I remember speaking to the call handler and, um, you know, they, they go through the usual, what's happening? I said, oh, my friend's been shot, my friend's been shot, I need an ambulance, my friend's been shot. How do you know he's been shot? Because people shot him. Are you sure he's been shot? Yes, he's been shot. Where's he been shot? I don't know. So how do you know he's been shot? I said, because I saw the people shooting him. So how many times has he been shot? I don't know how many times he's been shot. Wow. So what emergency service do you need? I need an ambulance. Are you sure you need an ambulance? Yes, I do need it. Why do you need an ambulance? Because my friend's been shot. You know, we're going around wow. in circles. And then, you know, I says to her, you know what? We need, we need the fire brigade. She said, the fi I said, yeah, there's a fire. I said, we need the fire brigade. I said, we also need the army. We need the army. I said, you know what? We need the fire brigade. We need the army. I said, even send a fucking helicopter. I said, and you know what? We might just get a fucking ambulance. But you know, even after that, do you know they wanted to prosecute me for verbal abuse to a call handler? What? Mm -hmm. When they told me that, I said, you know, at first I was like, I didn't say anything wrong. You know, when the press, the thing you listen, I was like, yes, that is me. I said, yeah. but come on, she asked me, it was about eight or nine times she asked me what emergency services do I want? Mm. And I told her every time I said I needed an ambulance. And you know what they told me? She couldn't understand my accent. Manchester born and bred. You have a Mancunian accent. Right. Report an incident in Manchester. Right. And she couldn't understand. And she couldn't that. understand your Okay. So I insisted on knowing how are your call handlers trained? Because, you know, she was not keeping me calm. If anything, she was like, you know, stoking the fire in yeah. me. Uh, so I said, I wanted to see how they were trained. I wanted to know what you trained them in. How, how, the, how are they supposed to speak to people? How are they supposed to keep people calm? Because I said, she didn't keep me calm. In, if anything, you know, because I don't normally use swear words unless I really, really have to, unless someone really winds you up. And I said, that's exactly what she did. I said, this is a, a highly emotional, like you said, situation. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know, how are they trained? I wanted to know, why does it take 45 minutes? And if there is a good enough reason, I said, then we all need to know. As far as they were concerned, they being, you know, the police, you know, we had something to do with it. We know, we must have known who shot him because people don't just come out of nowhere and shoot people. Mm. Well, unfortunately, yes, they do. Yeah, they do. You know, and I said, you know why they do? Because I remember also the police asked me, oh, which way did they run? I said, run. Mm. They didn't run. They walked. So a lot of things were learned from that night. You know, where I felt also that I had to stand up and speak because even our peers, some of our peers, you know, local people, neighbours, mm -hmm. friends were saying, oh, we don't speak to the police around. Mm. You shouldn't speak to the police, you know. And it was like, for me, it was like, yeah, but I've just seen an injustice being done. Yes. You know, I have to speak. Yeah. We were warned not to speak to the police. Mm -hmm. We were threatened not to speak to the police. We then quickly realised the reason why, you know, the murders or the shootings 
not all, and the shootings were not being solved because people were not talking to the police and the mm. police were not talking to the people, mm. you know. And so we became that bridge in between. You know, we were saying to local people, if we want the police, who were being blamed for not solving any of the crimes and any of the murders, mm. but if we want them to solve the crimes, we've got to talk to them. Yes. And we were saying to the police, if you want to solve these crimes, really want to solve them, you need to be talking to us. Exactly. We need to know what you know from what you don't know. What we started to do, you know, because we were going to a lot of community meetings and then it was my husband that said, you know what, these community meetings, the police need to be here as well. They need to hear the anger mm. you know, of people. Mm -hmm. They need to hear how people really feel, not just on the night when they put the tape round and then a couple of days they take the tape away and then it's all forgotten. It's all... So one of the things uh, of the conversations that we've had mm. is about the guns and the type of guns that got into the hands oh, yeah. of 13, 14, 15 year olds, mm. guns that did not originate in, in this, this country. country. Well, one of the things we were always saying to local and central government mm -hmm. is the fact that Remember, this is the UK where guns are illegal. Yes. Also, we found out that uh, a young man who was 14, who was arrested on the streets of Mosside with a Glushkinov weapon, they did forensics, our local police did forensics on that weapon, and that weapon had been used in the Bosnia War. So now that was a question that I put to the Home Secretary. How does a weapon that's been used in the Bosnia War mm -hmm. not only end up in the UK, in Manchester, and in the hands of a 14-year-old? Yeah. How does that happen? When this 14-year-old didn't even know where Piccadilly train station was. Let alone Bosnia. Bosnia. Any young person that reached the criminal justice system, even till today, mm -hmm. they've been failed by adults. Because yeah. no young person is born bad. You no. know, they're not born bad. They're not born wicked. They're not born naughty or, you know, horrible. They learn that unwanted behavior from adults, the adults that are around them. That's where they learn it from. You, we, we're failing our young people. Mm -hmm. And we've got to stop failing them if we want them to, you know, have a better future and to dream of a future. And one of the things we started to do through Peace Week, because we did, um, we declared a week of peace every year, mm -hmm. was enable young people to dream again. Mm -hmm. You know, enable them to dream. It's great to talk about the people that have gone by, mm. but there are people here right yeah. now mm. on our doorstep that are living and breathing and show our appreciation for those individuals. And you, Professor Bell, are one of them. Mm -hmm. And I Thank will you. always champion you. So next up, we have Mark and Elaine from Willow Wood Hospice talking about releasing butterflies in memory of people who've passed. Uh, it's a yearly event. Mm -hmm. uh, normally, people are allowed to come to the hospice and release the butterflies themselves that arrive in little boxes. And you hold the butterfly. We have a service uh, led by Eddie the chaplain. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have three services over the day and they're released. And it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. But unfortunately, due, due to COVID restrictions yes. last year and this year, we're having to have a virtual uh, butterfly release. So uh, on the day, the, a few staff and volunteers will be in and the butterflies will be released en masse mm -hmm. so people can still purchase them. Um, you don't have to have been involved with the hospice at all. It can be for anybody because nice. it's in memory of somebody. It's absolutely beautiful. Yes. Uh, the butterflies will be still delivered and then we'll put them in a mesh 
uh, basket mm -hmm. and they'll all be released together. You can watch it on Facebook and you can watch it on the Willowwood website. It's and the name beautiful. of the person who's passed is mm. going to be mentioned with each butterfly, am I absolutely. right, Mark? That's yeah. right. And so um, what we have is a little box with the chrysalis in it. So mm -hmm. as one of the volunteers at the hospice holds the box, so their warmth from their hands and body hatches the chrysalis into the butterfly. Oh, so that's beautiful. It's such, like, it's such a personal thing. And yeah. then to have a, a name read out, and we, we've all suffered in this year. We don't need to go over yes. how awful we it's have. all been, we've but all we've all lost year. people. Yeah. And I think to have that, A, the money to go to a hospice, which is a fabulous cause anyway, mm -hmm. but then to have that sort of memory made in that way is, is just beautiful. And then the butterfly goes off and of course, Goodness knows what oh, the butterfly gets up to. Such a lovely idea. So, why butterflies then? Oh, I don't. I don't really know. Uh, I've been there four years, so it's mm. been the four, it's the fourth year this year. And you are a fundraiser, for aren't you? Yeah. Tell us your title again. Uh, I'm community and engagement fundraiser. And how many fundraisers are there? Do you know? There's the just two. two. Just two. Just mm. two. Wow. Just two of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, myself and Laura. Um, so we're very, very busy. And during lockdown, we've been organising virtual events. Mm -hmm. Uh, and trying to look at different ways of, of raising money for the hospice. And for the first time ever this year, we're introducing metal butterflies. Yes, yes. So, you brought that there with you. Mm. with me. And that's to put in the garden. If people want to buy one, they can yeah. put it in the garden. They can put they? it in their own garden. Oh, we've got the most beautiful memorial garden now at the hospice. Oh. It's oh, absolutely gorgeous. And that's where we'll be releasing the butterflies on the day, which is the 10th of Do July. Do you want to show that into mm. camera? Sure. Yeah. So we can actually see it. Honestly, if you want to buy one. Yeah. yeah. How much are they? The £30, pounds £30 and the, the real butterflies are £15 pounds and everybody who buys a real butterfly receives a certificate yeah. uh, mm -hmm. after the event uh, with oh, the name lovely. the name that's of the person mm. that the uh, butterfly is dedicated to. Mm. Oh, that's so lovely. it's absolutely gorgeous, yeah. And what date is it? 10th of July. 10th of July. 10th of July. And what, and what time? Uh, I'm not quite it sure. It goes on time. through most of the day, so it'll yeah. partly depend how many butterflies are purchased. Yeah. Because yeah. it has to be done in waves. As you saw on the film okay. there, yeah. Yeah. the gardens fill up with the butterflies and Absolutely. then we have to wait for the next wave okay. to come through. Okay. So, yeah. Really, yes. yeah. And that's such an amazing thing, because obviously, you know, it's one of those things that we all learn through school, is like the life cycle of mm. a butterfly. Absolutely. And it's one of those that I think everyone just knows through life. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to have something so personal and yeah. it's but I love that thing with the warmth of well the it's that human connection yeah isn't it yeah. um that does it and I think as Elaine said the hospice covers Tameside and Glossop mm -hmm. but wherever you are because you can watch oddly enough because you're able to yeah. watch it uh, in this way and you can purchase the butterflies and make your donations through the website yeah wherever you are whoever you're remembering this is the, the perfect opportunity. I guess really as well, um, you know when you said why butterflies and you wasn't sure, mm. it's just popped in my head now. Mm. You know I always say whatever pops in my mind, always. you know it, <laughs> don't you? Um, but a lot of people symbolise, like, look at rainbows mm. as a symbolism, yeah. don't they? Yes. For like when people pass, like, yeah. and then animals or people going yes. over the rainbow bridge, etc. Like well, yeah. rainbows are different colours, as we know, yeah. but butterflies are as well. So it's yeah. almost like a living butter, a living rainbow, it is, isn't it? Really. Yeah. And sense. it's also that life cycle, isn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. The crystals and so on, and, and, and that rebirth. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's, it's that thing, it's especially, it's like you said, you know, 
not to bring everyone down anyway, but a lot of mm. us have lost a lot of people over the past year, whether yeah. through the pandemic or other ways. Mm. A lot of us didn't get to see them. No. Yeah. A lot of funerals have been, say, through yeah. Zoom and yeah. Skype and all that. I yeah. know that quite so a few people sad. I know had to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Having this and having the name right is almost like giving them that personal connection they didn't get in the past year. I think so. it's a, a very touching thing. It's a beautiful, it's a, a living thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we were having a conversation off camera earlier. It yeah. is about. Uh, life coming out of yes. tragedy. We, as I say, we've we've all come through this terrible time, but it is about remembering in this beautiful, in this touching. And way. in a way, as well. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, when I I lose someone, I actually believe that they go on somewhere yeah, else. Absolutely. And so, oh, it's almost like. Um, this is now like sort of the, mm. the soul of the person that, you, that you've lost and you're releasing it yes. and, it's, and it's flying off somewhere yeah. nice. That's and, right. Yeah. I got involved in the hospice. My partner died four years ago mm-hmm. and um, I always do this with the butterfly. Yeah. Uh, and you do, you latch on to things like a robin appearing or whatever it is. Absolutely. And, and I think Definitely. that gives us great comfort and solace mm-hmm. as a human being. And it's about... It's about so um, what, what's the website that people can mm-hmm. actually go on um, and book the ticket as it were and book book uh, paper it's the Willowwood Hospice website willowwood.info and if you go on there, you're going to see the flyer which you've got. You'll yes, see the image we have of the a lovely flyer, little flyer here. Yeah. If you see these in and around Manchester, do feel free to pick one up. That'll give you a lot more yeah. information. And there's a very easy form to fill in, and you give your details. You give the name of the person that you want to remember and to be read out on the day. You can do as many of those as you like. Oh, that's amazing! Thank you so much for coming into the studio. Thank you for inviting us. It's been wonderful. I've got a good show, Haley. I've had a brilliant show, Brandon. Fantastic. Well. We hope you all enjoyed listening at home and we'll see you next week on Your Your Manchester. Manchester.